Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, with Valentine's Day coming up this weekend, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the love of God. And we're in such a day when love is often redefined into secular terms or to the cultural norm. Recently, I've uh, been seeing these signs on people's uh, porches and, and front lawns that depict this statement, love is love. And it goes on to talk about this kind of love that is accepting of every type of person, thing, uh, ideology. And, uh, and of course, it's, it's, it's interesting because it sounds good in one regard. But on the other regard, when you think about the love of God, it's very wrong what's being said. Because uh, love is absolutely a gift from God. And it upholds righteousness. And it defends justice according to the truths of God. Uh, so, of course, there's a responsibility to love, there's an accountability to love, and there's a great authority to love. So, how does this change our definition today? Well, God is love. And when you consider who God is, that is how we see the characteristic of love. So, therefore, we are loving the person in front of us, but not with our love but with the love of God, because our love is conditional. Our attitude is, is one that is seeking its own. But in 1 Corinthians 13, we really see the authority of the love of God as God loves us the way that we are designed to be loved. Now, we cannot love, or we can only love, I should say, to the measure that we have been loved. So today, as we think about our families, uh, our marriages, or uh, just people that mean something to us. We want to love them, not with our love, but with the love of God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see the characteristics and dynamics of love. And in verse 5, in particular through 7, we see some interesting points. And I'd like to think this one point that's illustrated there is that love thinks no evil. Now, when you think about that, it's, it's always a striking thought in my mind that love actually thinks. Love actually thinks. It has a thought process. It has a mindset. And what is love's mindset? Well, the verses beyond it says it bears all things, believes all things, and endures all things. Why? Because its frame of reference is Christ. The uh, the thing, or if we could say what love is looking at, is the de greatest demonstration of love, and that's the cross. So did Jesus feel like, did he feel good on that cross as he was hanging there, being beaten to a pulp? In Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows, bruised, broken, wounded. Was he feeling great about that? No, love kept him on that cross. Those nails certainly... Um, you know, we could say held him there physically, but he could have called down millions of angels to rescue himself. But you know what? He didn't. He 
lived in love. And so therefore he endured the uh, contradiction of sinners and he stayed on that cross because of love. So how does that affect the way we live today? Well, love thinks no evil. Now I think evil, you think evil. When things go wrong, uh, our reference points goes back to maybe past injustices or problems or disappointments. But love thinks no evil. Love, love's mindset is it prefers one another higher. It's self-sacrificing in 1 John 3.16. It lays down its life. It doesn't hesitate. And it's unconditional agape. Now, we are, we are incapable of loving this way. So we have to receive this love. We have to receive this thinking. We have to receive this uh, anointing. God is loving us. And this is one of the greatest things we could experience as a believer is the love of God. Because the only way I can bear things, endure things, and believe all things that love, uh, that love says is to think with God. Now, if you think about other languages, I remember being overseas and learning Russian and Ukrainian. And, you know, how is it that I could speak in that language? Uh, first of all, I had to learn how to think in that language. I had to learn to consider uh, not only the grammar and the the logistics of that language, uh, but I had to understand uh, the people, the culture, and the uh, the mood, if I could say, of the Cyrillic language. Now, why is that important? Because we cannot love until we first understand how much we are loved by God. I mean, it's really amazing that God, who knows everything, sees everything, is everywhere present, um, almighty, and he does not think evil about you. He does not think evil about you. Now, let that just sink in today, because maybe you're thinking about your sin, or maybe you're thinking about how angry you are towards another person, or how angry you are at the world because of what's going on. And our thought process can be in opposition from God. And that's what evil is. Evil is a governmental system that's in opposition to God. It's the antichrist spirit that's in the world today. And the Lord is saying here in 13.5 of Corinthians, he's saying love is not uh, under that authority. Love is under the authority of grace, mercy, and the truth, the absolute truth of who God is. Not who I am, because we can be unlovable. We can be like a porcupine. We can um, oftentimes resist and push away the hand that so, so much is reaching out to love us. Isn't that interesting? Like hurt people turn around and hurt people. Why? Because inside of us are wounds in Isaiah 1-6 and sores that have not been healed. And this is why the love of God is so incredible, because it comes down into our mess and it loves us out of our mess. Love never leaves us where it finds us. So maybe today you're in a broken place. Maybe you have a broken heart. Maybe you have, uh, you've lost your hope. 
love comes in and just sits with you and speaks to you and maybe looks at you and thinks no evil. It, it's a it's a judgment free zone, uh, just like in addiction counseling. One of the great shame reducers is to portray or project an agopic relationship. Now, what does that mean? It means literally that the person is able to be honest, vulnerable, and transparent, and the hearer is there to listen, love, pray, and not to form criticisms or judgments or conclusions based on anything except by the love of God. Now, I'm not talking about a superficial love that is just like, you know, flim flammy, like I said at the very beginning, where, um, you know, love is defined by your your uh, your element of love or a, a relation, uh, you know, this relative idea of what works for you doesn't have to necessarily work for me. So love is based on my feelings. Love is based on my emotional mood at the moment or the bent of the culture. That's not what I'm talking about. Love is based in truth and thinks no evil. So we want to learn this kind of love. So in weakness, in the brokenness of addiction, as we listen to people's story, we learn them and then love them with God's story. Love leads them beyond where they are. And this is the beauty about love is that it doesn't just say, oh, that you're just born that way and it's okay. And it's not this condoning kind of love, but it's a love that says, hey, listen, God has so much better for you. The ability of love will give you the strength to empower you rather than enable you to stay in the same place. So love is thinking no evil. And this agopic relationship is causing that person to really hear themselves and be confronted with who God is. That's 80% of the shame reduction. The other 20% is we had defined the triggers, the halt, you know, H-A-L-T, again, uh, hung, uh, hungry, anger, loneliness, and tiredness. These are triggers. And the, the, the other 10% is a plan to uh, help keep the person accountable. So again, this uh, shame reducer that love produces, 80% of it is uh, having someone be able to communicate and have someone pray, listen, and love them through it not criticize them. You know, oftentimes when someone's honest, someone can be very quick to judge them, correct them. And I know that sounds good, but it's not right. See, love love is an investment that builds an it builds an equity in that person of trust. So when they do communicate, God will show you at the right time how to lead them, how to listen to them, how to love them where they are at because oftentimes people are not ready to be corrected without the anointing and atmosphere of love well in first john chapter 4 27 times it talks about the love of god and being perfected in love and matured in love and this doesn't happen unless we receive that love fellowship with that love learn that love think in that love you know i meet many uh, couples and the way we think about our spouse, the way we think about our kids, 
the way we think about our jobs, the way we think about ourselves. It dramatically changes the way we relate and uh, in relationships. It dramatically affects our performance. It dr dramatically affects our conversation. Because think about it, the way you and I relate to God is how we relate to ourselves. And how we relate to ourselves is often how we relate to God. Like this is a, a, an, an interchangeable um, dynamic here that without love, we do think evil. We do think naturally. We do think an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So what's the answer here? Well, the answer is uh, in Psalm 139, 17, the writer writes, Paul writes, uh, the psalmist writes, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than, than the sands of the sea. It's amazing. And he goes on to say that, um, uh, uh, When I awake, I am still with thee. So what's he saying here? He's saying God's thoughts to us are precious. And they define how precious we are to him. And as we get to know how precious God is, we understand how valuable and precious we are in him. We are important in the kingdom of God. And his thoughts are not just some fragmented thought that uh, goes by in a moment. But no, it's a mindset. It's a system of thinking that doesn't change. And he's saying, you are precious to me in my thoughts build the framework of how precious you are to me, regardless of condition or uh, your disposition. So how we think about ourselves, having a grace identity, I let grace define who I am in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Who are you today? Well, my job defines who I am, or my family defines who I am, or my possessions define who I am, my status. No, no, no. Love defines who we are. Mercy defines who we are. Grace defines who we are. And then we look into that mirror and the reflection is the beauty of God. You know, uh, just thinking about newness, you know, oftentimes love is bringing us into a new place. You know, oftentimes we can see ourselves in failure or the past or in lack and God is saying, I want to give you a new way of thinking, a new language, a new, a new perspective. And how does this happen? Well, sometimes you cannot fix uh, the old. In Philippians 3.13, we're, we're told not to give authority to what's happened in our past, but to reach forward and give authority to the things that are in front of us. Now, granted, we learn from our past. We have an experience that... It makes us who we are today, but we cannot live in our past. We cannot change what's happened. So we have the fragrance of memory. We have the, uh, the learning of lessons, but really we're reaching forward. Love teaches us to reach forward in newness. In, in Hebrews 10, 20, he's given us a new and living way every day. He's given us new mercies every day in Lamentations 3.23. It's like, it's like buying a car. You get into the car and it's that new car smell. I don't know. I love that. It's like the car's never been used. Um, it's You're putting the first miles on that car. It's like never been used. This is how God's mercy is. It was designed 
for you. It was tailor-made for you. And this is where love takes us. Love produces a change in us by leading us to a new place. It doesn't demand us to change, uh, but instead it, it empowers us to move to a new place. You know, I remember our pastor early on when he took the ministry from our former pastor who passed away, and he brought this huge ball of wires and put it on the podium, and he said, you know what? You know, I could never fill my predecessor's shoes. And he says, I could never untangle the challenges that our ministry is facing. I'm not ignoring those challenges, and I'm not denying those challenges, and I'm not suppressing those challenges. But how I will deal with them is going to be different than just being a problem solver. And he put, he put down that ball of wires and he said, you know, we're going to step into a new place. And he gave authority to the newness. He gave authority to what was working. He gave authority to the gospel and missions. And what happened is as we were going forward, those entanglements detangled. They untangled. And that's incredible. Sometimes, you know, what is needed in problems is not only to be a problem solver, which sounds good, but we want to minister life. We want to minister what blesses the person. We want to minister what is strengthening and gathering people rather than uh, going in and critical thinking is important. Don't misunderstand me. Solutions are important, but some things are unfixable. And some things are, uh, the more you work with them, the more you get bogged down in them. Sometimes starting brand new and initiating a new life or a new language or a new mindset will detangle whatever we're facing today, especially in relationships. There's so much negative acting out with kids or even with our spouses and The answer is not to fix our spouse or fix our kids or fix ourselves. We need a healing. We need that healing and love. And God is saying, I want to lead you to a new place where you get to know me in a personal way. I want to lead you in a new place where I am loving you in a personal way in Revelations 2.4, where I bring you back to your first love. I, I want to bring you to a place where you're living your life and not existing in your life. This is so important. So God is leading us in newness. You know, I'm looking out the window today and seeing this beautiful snow. And, uh, you know, I love uh, how snow just covers everything and, and just covers the dirt and all the ugliness. But you know what? God says, you know what? I'm not going to just cover it. I'm not going to just throw a Band-Aid on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal and make, it, make you brand new in my love. It's a time of love in Hosea 4, 1 through 4. I'm going to quiet you in my love in Zephaniah 3.17. So as as we receive God's initiations of love, guess what? The overflow goes to people. And instead of just fixing things like some engineer, uh, which there are times where God will give you the problem-solving skills, and I'm not discounting that, but people are not projects. Some situations cannot be fixed. They just need a new start. They need a new element of initiation to love right where the person's at. You know, so many so many times in religion, it's like people say, oh, if I get my life back together, 
you know, if I fix my, my wrongs, then, then I'll come to God. Well, good luck. You'll never make it in that sense. God's saying, I come as you are. I want to love you in your pit. I want to love you in your pain. I want to love you in your addiction. I want to love you. Maybe you're doing great. I want to love you in your success. I want to love you in, in your, in your man-made world. And I want to take you out of it and give you something better. And I, I promise not to add sorrow to it in Proverbs 10, 22. So just to encourage us today, um, receive the love of God today. Let it bring you to a new place. Uh, open the love letter, the Bible, the greatest love letter. Learn love. Instead of giving evil for evil, do good to those that despitefully use you. How's that possible? Well, we let God... Uh, who we were an enemy of, uh, love us today and show us again our value. And to remember that, you know, don't think evil about yourself and think that God is thinking the same way. No, God, it's impossible for God to think evil about you because of the authority of the love of Jesus Christ. So catch yourselves. I want to catch myself. Cast down every imagination and argument that tries to defeat the voice of love in your life um, in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Watch what you say in, in Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any corrupt communication or that which would damage love come out of your mouth. So today when you meet people that have opposing views or people that are just mean and, and uh, proud, um, let's just pray for them. Let's just think about them and say, wow, you know what, they have a real need and I want to just be a ministry to them if they'll allow me. I don't want to be the way that everyone else is, yelling and screaming and just being, um, you know, just a brute, but instead, let's be different. This is what love does. Love brings us into a new way of thinking. So that instead of giving evil for evil, and then just glorifying the devil, because uh, even our we, we are in opposition of God when, when we're not spirit-filled, but instead, we're saying, God, today, I want to be a minister of love. I want to live in those 27 verses in First John 4 as a demonstration of love. And, and by the way, if, if we live in fear, and this is this is such a you know a daily exercise here to cast down the thoughts of fear, anxiety, but when you and I live in fear, we are saying no to God. We are saying no to the promise. Nope, it's not, it doesn't work. We're saying no to love. What do I mean by that? It means that we are choosing to live in our own understanding rather than basking in the love of God, rather than receiving the love of God, rather than letting the love of God transform us. Fear, every fear is a lie, and there's no fear in love. In 2 Timothy 1.7, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, a sound mind, and a place to be loved. So today, just to encourage you, uh, today's going to be a great day because you've got the Almighty God loving you. And uh, and He may be loving you in a way that you're not, uh, not knowing. You know, there's so many people looking for love in the wrong places. Well, this eternal love, Ecclesiastes 3.11, we are made to be loved by God.
and uh, what what his plan when when it happens, it'll be done his way, and then there'll be such a healing. You know, maybe you need a healing today. Just call on the name of the Lord and say, God, thank you that you're not demanding me to change today, but you're loving me. You're producing the change in me. You know, the last thing I'll say, and I've said this many times, you know, the law, the law will show you what's wrong. You know, as you're shaving, you know, you cut your face and the mirror shows you where you cut your face. But, you know, the mirror doesn't address the cut. It just tells you what's wrong. But love, the royal law of love, the new covenant of love comes in and it's able to not just analyze what's wrong, but it's able to heal and change what's wrong. This is why the law is so insufficient because it tells you what's wrong, but doesn't give you the ability to fix what's wrong. The royal law of love comes in and says, Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus paid for every everything so that we wouldn't have to be captives and hostages to anything that is outside of love today. Today, uh, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Love thinks no evil. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't per- parade itself. It doesn't vaunt itself. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. What, is it, what does it do? It, it believes the best about you. It endures the craziness and keeps bringing you back to Christ. And it bears, it bears all the pain and weight that is on us. And God says, I will love you through it. I will love you to the end in, in John 13, 1. I will never let you go. This is the kind of love we want to learn today. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.